0: The word of the Lord. Now, as Peter went here and there among all the believers, he came down also to the saints living in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who had heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, arrived, he took them, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then, calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before I begin this sermon, I'd like to say thank you to my spouse and fellow chaplain Len Scales for coming up with the title of this sermon and to our friend Isabella Schutt, whose work has inspired so much of this sermon. Thank you to both of you. The title of this morning's sermon is Tabitha's Neighborhood. Tabitha's Neighborhood. On a Wednesday morning in November, 1550 in Geneva, the pastor and theologian John Calvin delivered a sermon on the prophet Micah. Life in Geneva was in trouble. Refugees from all over Europe fled religious persecution and found safety in that city, but their struggles were just beginning. Hospitals quickly became overcrowded. Efforts at poor relief among local churches strained to the breaking point. Many city leaders pushed against efforts to incorporate these new arrivals as citizens. Wealthy families from what was called Old Geneva began to speculate on local markets, hoarding food and intentionally driving up rent across the city. Winter was on its way and many people in the city were without adequate food or shelter. That morning, Calvin drew upon the words of the Hebrew prophets to warn of God's judgment against the wealthy and powerful members of his town. He spoke against inequities in housing and ferociously denounced the practice of withholding food to make a profit. He reminded listeners that God imposed rest at night for the purpose that people who have many resources would have to stop at some point from gaining an advantage on people who were struggling. At the end of the sermon, Calvin imagines what God might say to the people of Geneva. Calvin imagines and says, because of all the great injustices happening, God says, I myself will draw near to you. I will come near to you. I am the God who is near. It sounds a little bit like the stereotypes that we have sometimes of Calvin. Finger wagging a little bit, grumpy, dour, a word of judgment. God's coming, look out. But at the time that I was reading this sermon and translating from French into English, I realized that there's a nuance here. The word that Calvin uses for near as an adjective, prochain, is also the noun, when he uses it as a noun, it means neighbor. Hear the words again. I myself will become a neighbor to you. I will be your neighbor. I am the God who is your neighbor. God's coming into our lives, into ancient Israel, into early modern Geneva, into our time, is not what we expect it to be. It is surprisingly an invitation to turn toward the neighbor, to invest in the neighborhood shalom, its flourishing. In Jesus Christ, God says, I will become your neighbor. I will move into your neighborhood. God asks us to treat the neighbor in the manner that we would treat Jesus. In the book of Acts, the early followers of Jesus are trying to figure out how to walk in his ways after he has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. Jesus has gone back to his father, but he has promised that his spirit will remain at work in the world. And throughout the stories of Acts, God is working in and through small communities and ordinary people, healing broken relationships, welcoming strangers, breathing new life into places through this spirit of Jesus. Over and over again, characters like Paul and Peter, Mary, Lydia, they encountered the risen Jesus in the lives and faces of their neighbors. This morning story about Tabitha is about resurrection. Resurrection of a person and the resurrection of a community. Acts tells us that Tabitha was a follower of Jesus, a Methetria, a female disciple. Tabitha devoted her life to love and good works toward her community, especially those who are vulnerable, such as widows. When she dies, her community in their grief begs Peter to come to them. When Peter walks into the room where they've washed and laid out her body for burial, the whole community stands around him, dressed in the clothes that she has made for them. Tabitha gave her life to serving in a way that made a profound difference in their lives through her actions. People who might otherwise have been forgotten or mistreated had food and clothing. She loved her neighbors so much, and Peter can see from their tears how much they loved her. It's the kind of love that Peter knew when he lived and worked and ate with Jesus a beloved community gathered in this small, out-of-the-way town called Joppa. When Peter sends the widows and the saints out of the room, he prays over her body and says to her, Tabitha, get up. You could also read it as, Tabitha, rise. She opens her eyes, sees Peter, and he helps her up. And then he shows her to the saints. Many people in Joppa believed in God because they saw that Tabitha was alive. I wonder if, just as God raised Tabitha to life in ancient Joppa, God is still raising up disciples like Tabitha in neighborhoods all around us. This story made me think of my friend Isabella, who is one of our undergraduate student leaders with Princeton Presbyterians. Isabella is from Western North Carolina, and when she went home this summer, her home church was going through a rough time. Like many churches coming through this pandemic, there are concerns about budget, about stress around worship numbers, a question of where to go and what to do next. Isabella, while she was home, went to a congregational meeting about what to do and she could hear the anxiety in the room. The conversation was about how they could attract new members, how they could bring people into the building, get them involved in worship and join into their life together. When Isabella got up and started speaking, she talked about how they might imagine the question in a different way. Instead of worrying about how they could convince people to come in, they could think about what their neighbors in the community needed. She told them about something called Mr. Rogers Day, an event that Princeton Presbyterians hosts here at Nassau in March. It's an innovation from the pandemic when people could only gather outside. And so we got into Nassau's parking lot in March to make tie dye t-shirts and to play lawn games together. We created a make your own care package table for students going through midterm exams. And we also stocked the shelves of arm in arm with toiletries. We celebrated Mr. Rogers, who was a Presbyterian minister who devoted his life to telling children that they were loved and lovable on the PBS show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. As Isabella explained Mr. Rogers' day to her fellow church members, she also started talking about the needs that families have in their own community. In the summertime, parents need childcare while they work. Kids who rely on school lunches face uncertainty about where, where some of their meals are coming from. Without camps or summer classes, it's easy for children to lose ground in what they've learned during the school year, especially when they've been learning on Zoom for the past year and a half. They need to hear stories of the Bible in a way that focuses on God's love for them and their calling to love neighbors who don't look like them. In that moment, at that meeting, she and her church decided together that they would host a Mr. Rogers vacation Bible school. And that's exactly what she and the church volunteers did later that summer. Every day, Isabella's lesson plan began and ended by singing a song that Mr. Rogers wrote. Sometimes the younger children watched an episode of Daniel Tiger, which is an animated continuation of characters from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. They made tie-dye t-shirts and learned about Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan in Luke. There was a midweek dinner for families to come and be together. At the end of the week, Isabella and other volunteers sent each child home with two things, a bag of groceries for their families and a book for themselves. What if Tabitha's neighborhood today looks like a bunch of children in tie-dye t-shirts outside Hickory, North Carolina, holding a bag of groceries in their arms and a book in their hands? When Peter says, Tabitha, rise, it's not just a story for first century Christians. It's a miracle that plays out in small communities all around us today. Tabitha is still alive, following Jesus, seeing the presence of God in the face of the neighbor. Her neighborhood is alive wherever children and vulnerable people are loved, clothed, fed, and taught that they are precious in God's eyes. People in Tabitha's neighborhood see this sort of extravagant kindness and believe. God is alive. God can make us and our neighborhoods come alive. People who were once strangers can laugh and cry while singing songs called It's You I Like and Won't You Be My Neighbor. They don't just hear the good news that they're loved, they feel that love deep down through the meals that they eat, the stories they share, the clothes that they wear. This word of good news comes from Isabella and her neighborhood to us here in Princeton as we stand at the threshold of another school year. We are so excited at Princeton Presbyterians and Nassau Presbyterian Church that students have come from around the world to study at the university, the seminary, Westminster Choir College, Mercer County Community College, TCNJ, and many other schools. Just a week ago, we blessed and sent hundreds of backpacks to schools in Trenton, and we are getting ready and have already sent many students into classrooms in elementary, middle, and high schools all around this area. We are so glad that you're here wherever you've come from, and we hope that these years are full of joy. I also know, as a pastor in this place, that Princeton can be very hard on people, Sometimes students receive the message that they're not enough, that they must earn their belonging, that success in school and work are the ways that they can matter here. That can make it a lonely place, a place sometimes where it feels like the priority is to survive and make it through until the next chapter of life. Let's imagine something different together. Len and I are starting our seventh year here with you, and it's always been our hope that the campus ministry, Princeton Presbyterians, becomes a community where you can see the love of God in the face of your neighbor. Amid academic programs and a town culture that can sometimes grind people up or treat them like machines until they break down, we invite each one of you here at Nassau to be a neighbor, to belong to each other, just as we belong to God in Jesus Christ. We believe that God is drawing near as our neighbor through the love and the generosity we share with one another. God weeps with people when they grieve and God surprises us with new life all around us. I believe that God enjoys delicious meals and tie-dye t-shirts and colorful books and generous giving and heartfelt songs. Each one of you, whether you are a student or not, has something beautiful to bring to our life together. God invites us to imagine Princeton as the neighborhood, the place where everyone is treated with dignity and generosity. It's an astonishing thing to imagine that across centuries and thousands of miles, disciples as different as John Calvin, Tabitha, Mr. Rogers, and Isabella, are inviting us into the same question. It's a question that God has already asked and answered in Jesus Christ. Won't you be my neighbor? Amen.